Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a Wizarding World Virgin on their first journey from Platform 9 and 3 quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is Episode 7, The Rabidden Forest. Today, we're covering Chapters 15 and 16 of Book 1, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Namely, The Forbidden Forest and Through the Trapdoor. Before he joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. Relatio. Oh, brilliant spell. Literally just panicked then and I thought I haven't done that one yet. (laughs) Well, welcome back, guys. Um, Any housekeeping for this episode before we bring in the Harry Potter version? Um, I did get one message. um, Just the one message. Yeah, just all week. Been waiting. Um, fun fact about Dragonheart. Oh yeah. Is that, um, the 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 actor I should have looked up his name. I don't know his name. I know his name. David Thewlis. Who plays Lupin in the Harry Potter fran- um, series? Is the bad guy in Dragonheart? Oh, amazing! He doesn't look like a bad guy. He looks like a scared guy. What a fantastic crossover reference that is. So, That's yeah. brilliant, isn't it? I haven't watched it. No. Rob gave us homework. Did you do it, Phil? No, of course I haven't. No, I haven't done it either. I <laughs> meant to like look at the cover of it. You know, I meant to like watch a trailer, but I forgot. So, okay, without any further ado, let's not beat about the bush. Predictions for this week. Forbidden Forest and Through the Trapdoor. Phil, what do you think Rob is going to have thought of these two chapters? I think he's going to love them. I think this is going to be a turning point for Rob where he's like, holy shit, it just got real. Do you know what I mean? I think that if, if there was a week that was going to get him, it was going to, on this book, it was going to be this week. Okay, Millers. Well, yeah, it is kind of now or never, isn't it? I feel like he might have a lot of doubts and reservations over the trio getting through um, all of the um, charms and um, protections put in front of the stone, which, like, for us reading it, like, that, we can read that in a different light. I Um, agree. But for him, as an adult reading that for the first time, I think that he might, it might just, he might be quite sceptical about it. I agree with both of you a little bit. I think he is going to be sceptical. However, I'm hopeful that he will have enjoyed it, as you say, Phil. What I really want to know from him is when he got to the end of Through the Trap Door and the closing lines of the chapters, there was already someone there, but it wasn't Snape, it wasn't even Voldemort. I really want to know if he turned the page to read oh, the sentence. I know. Uh, he must have or, done. Or, or if he was able to hold off. Um, and if he was able to hold off, who does who he think, do it, think is? it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that will be really interesting to find out. So, let's bring him in. Hello, Rob. All right, nerds. How are we doing? Very good. Very good. Thank you very much. Good week. Good week. Yeah, blighted by a couple of chapters, but but yeah, enjoyable nonetheless. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Okay. So All right. Well, but look, before we get into that, Rob, we had a bit of housekeeping, a bit of feedback uh, for you to listen to. Actually, I hope you'll be able to hear this. Uh, I've just listened to the Owl to Romania bit of the pod 
And I know he, he doesn't think it's possible for an owl to have flown from Scotland, and it's Glencoe in Scotland that Hogwarts is meant to be in. From Glencoe to Bucharest, if we just assume it's the capital of Romania, that is uh, 1,585 miles. The average owl flies 20 to 30 miles an hour on a kind of thermal kind of uplift. So let's say 25, 25 miles an hour, which means journey one way is 63 hours, which is like two and, two and a half days. Um, which means two and a half days there, two and a half days back. And on the way back, he'll have a, a tailwind, so it'll be quicker. Gives him a day and a half, gives the owl a day and a half in Romania to wait for the letter to be written to get back within the week. So, I mean, it's more than believable. He said, it, he said not possible. It is literally possible. Rob? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, I had questioned those stats. B... <laughs> The owl is not a long distance flyer. So until I've got Chris Packham on here telling me telling me that it's possible, I'm not having it. I thought that brilliantly researched and well put together piece of, of housekeeping and feedback from uh, yeah, long time friend of the show, Tommy. Um, so yeah, kudos to him. I think he's I think he's proved the books, right? Hasn't he, guys? I, I I've got no doubts, especially now. He's pretty much done you, Rob. He's pretty much done you there. It's a great. I mean, thanks for getting in touch, listeners, but, you know, never contact the show again. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, I mean, you already gave us a little taster. Hot take, please, for Chapter 15, Forbidden Forest. The Forbidden Forest. I loved loved the forest element. Yeah, don't get me wrong. That was great. I liked there were some new animals involved. Again, enjoyable some sort of slightly camp horses are, appeared and um it got things got darker it okay. got very really dark there was you know some blood drinking going on all right hot take then on through the trap door chapter 16 and it was an escape room ahead <laughs> <laughs> of a time mm-hmm. popular christmas uh, office party game escape, escape room Philippa could you just sort of walk us through the Forbidden Forest and um, yeah we'll see what Rob thought yeah okay so Rob it all started off one morning they're at breakfast and they get letters saying that um, to the Gryffindor table to Harry, Hermione and Neville saying that their detention will be taking place that night and they're to meet uh, Filch at the entrance hall so can I stop you there there? 11pm for a detention. Um, um, yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of um, discussion of detentions and detentions as a whole and how they fit into other books in, in the deep dive. I mean, as detentions go, it's severe. I think that's fair to say. Mm. I think mm. there'd be like possible grounds for PTSD claims in the future just off the back of this detention. So I, I do... I do agree with you there. There, um, and that tells you a bit about Hogwarts, doesn't it? It ain't no normal school. It's um... Rob. Did you not think that the, the the punishment suited the crime? I mean, McGonagall said she'd never known anything like the uh, 
the activities that they got up to and obviously I mean absurd isn't it what they're walking around the school at night that must happen all the time at boarding school she's overreacted now they've got attention at nearly midnight on their own with the you know caretaker brothers and <laughs> chuckle brothers the chuckle brothers yeah <laughs> and, and there's you know serious questions about about the welfare of these students we, we already know he's you know been sending him notes and inviting him to his house and now we're sending him into the woods with with the fella. This kind of uh, insinuation, I think, um, has to, has to, has to stop. It has to stop. I think it will turn <laughs> people against you, Rob. I'm not insinuating anything. I love I love Hagrid, but I just think you love Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, I like. Well, yeah, no, actually, I don't like Hagrid. Yeah, you're right. I like his sort of vibe and his dog. Yeah, he's a bit. He's a bit of. Um, bit of a kind of liability at times okay so I, I do agree with you but I, I have to say well given what you now know of the next chapter because obviously you've read through the chapter do you mm. not think that if you were a teacher in this school you would be extremely wary of children wandering around the school at night given what you know now yeah it's not no. like wandering around a normal school so obviously Filch um leads them out um into well also um obviously Malfoy's there and Harry'd um forgotten in the whole thing about the points that uh, Malfoy'd also got a detention so they all get led out Mal- Malfoy gets very nervous as he hears that they're going to be going into the forest and um you get a little bit of to and froing your um kind of you can see a bit of that tense um tense relationship there between Filch and Hagrid who are definitely two very different authority figures and um Hagrid explains to them that there's a job to do there's an animal that's been hurt and they need to they need to find it and that's what they're going to be doing on um on this attention as you know Malfoy's absolutely mortified probably responds in the way that you feel about this detention Rob that it's um it's not something that students should be doing and as you know students are obviously banned from the forbidden forest for good reason anyway yeah, mixed um, messages isn't it? mixed it, messages I said it's it the first it's the first thing Malfoy's said of sense or book to be honest so anyway they split in they split into twos um so neville and um and malfoy together harry and hermione and um it is it is and then obviously why is that uh, malfoy wants bang it just mugs me off in in any in any fictional story when people split up in these kind of situations it just never works you know either, either either one of them springs on the other and thinks it's something that they're looking for, or someone gets lost, or someone goes down a hole, or something. Just stay together in a group. It's already a ludicrous idea. Let's not, you know, mix it up any further. Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I do see where you're coming from there, Rob. So, so anyway, they they start going in the forest and they're hunting for something. They find like unicorn hair, and um, it becomes apparent that it's a, that a unicorn's been hurt and that it's a baby uni- unicorn. Malfoy's been a bit of a knob. Um, he's scared Neville, and Neville sent up Sparks. And so, when they're all together, there's a bit of a, a rearranging of who's together. And uh, long story short, we wind up with Fang. Harry and Malfoy and um, they find this unicorn blood and they're following it and they see into a clearing and the next thing they know they see the corpse of the unicorn 
and it's a baby unicorn, it's a little foal, and a dark figure leaning over drinking. Is it, I don't remember it being a foal. Yeah, he says it's a foal, doesn't he? Mm. I think he can does. I get confirmation on that, guys? I'm pretty sure he says it's a foal. Bill, before they get there, though, before they rejig the group, uh, Harry and Hagrid have an interaction with, um, I think Rob's called them some, some camp horses. I enjoyed, I enjoyed them being sort of <laughs> very aloof and, and not really, um, not really giving any, any information. So enjoy, I enjoyed that interaction with uh, Hagrid getting like a little bit annoyed by it and then just sort of talking about Mars. Um, oh, that was, FYI, that was when you were talking about the camp horses, I thought you were talking about the unicorns. I didn't realise that you were talking about centaurs. <laughs> <laughs> what what did you find particularly camp about the centaurs? Did you not get this? I've then? never you thought of them as camp at all. Well, maybe I guess it's when two different people are reading the same thing. Maybe you, you know, paint a different picture in your head. But yeah, just just sort of quite quite kind of aloof. Um, they were sort of muscly, topless, long hair. I literally that is such a careful like honestly thought you were talking about the unicorns <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of centaurs as um as camp I've always seen them as really really masculine they're not friendly at all they're not like funny or friendly they're, they're very serious aren't they intense guys I like so are you saying like they're them. your kind of guy we'll see more of these yeah yeah good to know. yeah they're, they're good uh, you know, a bit more chat would be nice, a bit less astronomy, but, we'll, you know, sure that, I'm sure they've got different characters. One of them's a bit more chatty, isn't he? One of them's uh, like a sieve, essentially, for a centaur. He's given Harry loads yes. of info. Yes, yeah, that's true. Firenze is um, definitely more open with, with Harry than... Um, who have you got there? You've got Bane, and there's Ronan. one other, wasn't there? And Ronan. Ronan, yeah. Ronan Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> So they stop, they have a little chat. That's all happened. Then they obviously split up. What, we, what we're left with, right? And this is, this is a crucial moment. And I'm sure, Rob, you were on the edge of your seat at this moment. They're into the clearing. Fang gives a little yelp. Malfoy does a runner. And you've got Harry. And he's watching this hooded figure drinking the blood of a unicorn. How do you feel? Yeah, so it was a big step away from the the jolly japes of uh, earlier chapters with the blood drinking. Um, And yeah, we're introduced to this character, Voldemort, who has been sort of trailed throughout the book. Um, Whispered tones suggested, uh, and it sounds like this is this is him. This is him. We're finally meeting him, but not properly because he's he's in a hoodie. Probably one of those um, Unilever's hoodies that everyone's got, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, Levers, Levers, <laughs> o, you know, 0203. Mm-hmm. Those, those. Sorry, Rob, go on. No, I was just going to say those, those hoodies always make me feel really old when, you, when you're now walking around town and you see someone that's like, you know, yeah, Levers 19 or 20. Did you like that creepiness? I can't remember exactly how it describes it, but it describes it as like crawling like a beast or some yeah. horrible phraseology did you quite enjoy reading that kind of thing well yeah he's, he's got he's got the blood dripping dripping all over himself um and he's really chowing down this unicorn which is obviously a yeah pretty dark image i think all of this is um 
where you know people I've said before it's, it's a children's book and people are like oh no you know it's really dark there's some other other shit going on and uh, yeah this is the first sort of suggestion of that after the um, the you know poignant slash bleak mirror of desire we've now got um, this is like the second bit that's a bit bit of a yeah. dark turn it's heavy going. But kids like to be scared, you know. Like kids do like a kind of that that element of horror in in a book. Do you think you would have been a bit scared reading this if you mm. were about eight? Yeah, I reckon so. So the next thing that happens is your mates come back. Frenzy's there, and he rescues Harry and um, is walking along with Harry on his back, and he gives him some real, really big pieces of information, doesn't he? Do you remember what any of those bits of information are, Rob? Um, he says he says it was Voldemort. Yeah. Basically, he's kind of the usual. By now, the usual reaction of being starstruck, but it's Harry, so he lets him uh, ride ride him, so to speak. Which the others. You, are you think about. that's because he's starstruck? No, it's because it's Harry Potter. Like it's it's that's the only reason he's letting him letting him on. Um, but but I think it's a bit more than that. Oh no! I just thought it was you know this is Harry Potter. He's, he's a, he's right. a I don't think you've got the measure of the camp horses. <laughs> Rob, not to, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler or anything, and I think you'll be pleased. There's quite a bit more camp horse action throughout the book. And, yeah, I think, yeah. I think Phil's right. You'll get a bit more of a, a sense of who they really are as the book goes on. Um, Kingy, you were going to read, uh, um, like, a particular quote about, so obviously um, that this whole notion of drinking unicorn blood and, and what that does is, is very much, as far as I know, um, don't know if there's myths around it as well but it's very much kind of a, um, a notion introduced in the Harry Potter world whereby um, drinking uni- unicorn blood can prolong your life yes. um, and there's a particularly a, quite a poignant quote that Firenze says says to Harry when he's leading Harry through to who it might be that's drinking that blood and mu- why they might be doing it so um, we just wanted to get the exact words in here so King if you could read that yeah of course Firenze tells Harry the blood of a unicorn will keep you alive even if you are an inch from death but at a terrible price you have slain something pure and defenseless to save yourself and you will have but a half-life a cursed life from the moment the blood touches your lips what if you don't kill it what if you're just happening upon it say again Rob what if you didn't kill it it's a good point what if like Hagrid had a lick of the the tree why is Hagrid licking a tree why would you why would he be licking a tree man Curious about the taste of it, silvery. Well, I do. I think I have a go on it. I think Ferenzi's he's sort of saying that it's actually the the sort of killing of the unicorn. The act, is yeah, what, is what you know gives you the half life, the cursed life, rather than the uh, the drinking. Although I suppose that is a little bit mixed messages. I suppose if you are you saying that someone could maybe like put it in your cup at a party, Rob? Yeah. Or did you mean like what if you just happen to be an inch from death and then you turn to your right and there's a dead unicorn next to you? Like, is that what you mean? And you think, <laughs> well, it's dead already. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's like roadkill, isn't it? Like I think it's very hard to slay a unicorn. I don't think it's a roadkill fodder. I <laughs> yeah, think, agreed. I think it's a purposeful act. But it, I think it almost has to be because this is the magical creature. I think we can accept this this character as a wrong one. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, he is a he is a wrong one. So, um, 
So basically, Harry, uh, Firenze leaves Harry. To, he basically transports him to safety. Harry's back with the rest of the guys. They go back to the common room. Ron um, was desperate to stay awake to, to find out what's happened, um, check they were okay. They wake up Ron. He's fallen, fallen asleep in a chair. And Harry tells Hermione and Ron everything that's happened in the forest and kind of summarises it um, to say that basically Voldemort is in the forest in some sort of form and that he believes that Snape isn't get isn't trying to get to the stone for his own wealth and riches he's getting to the stone for the elixir of life for Voldemort because unicorn blood is what's keeping him going at the moment so huge obviously huge revelations in this chapter the very last thing that happens is as they go up to bed Harry notices that the cloak has been mysteriously brought back with a note saying just in case. What are your thoughts on that, Rob? Yeah, well, I think that they're, they're, maybe someone knows what's going on here and that Harry's in danger, maybe. Um, and so, yeah, they've, they've brought his cape back. Maybe McGonagall picked it up when she uh, when she found him. What tell what was going on? Maybe it was Dumbledore. Um, he seems to be everywhere, invisible. Yeah. So it could have been him. Slinking around the uh, the dorms at night and dropping off gifts. <laughs> what are your thoughts on on Snape now? Because obviously, I'm guessing before you just thought he was after the stone for himself. But does that? How do you feel now? Yeah, he seems to be a sort of uh, like a middleman yeah. insider for Voldemort potentially. That's the that's the current live theory. All right, cool. Well, I mean that wraps up the Forbidden Forest. Let's crack straight on with through the trap door so first things first they are doing their exams and harry is obviously really stressed about this given what happened in the forest and what he discussed with ron and hermione thoughts on but he's not really stressed about the exams he's stressed about voldemort turning up well he's stressed about all of it yeah rob yeah is i enjoyed the little exam bit at the start actually it was quite you know Nice, nice, nice bit of nostalgia back to the exams, and like they've got to do a bit of practical element as well. I enjoyed there's a little anti cheating spell on their quill, that was a nice touch, nice, nice bit of magic y touch. He does like the muggle stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, so you enjoyed that little bit, and then suddenly Harry realizes something and he's in a great panic, and he insists that they have to rush down to Hagrid's to interrogate Hagrid on how he got his dragon's egg. And I don't know if you want to give us some thoughts on that, Rob, or even kind of elaborate on what happens sort of next when they speak to Hagrid. Yeah, I don't know why they were, um, why he suddenly gets that, you know, why why, why he comes to that conclusion, really. He has a brain it's just his train of thought, isn't he? Because he's looking out, he sees Hedwig, he thinks, oh... Hagrid's the only person who writes to me. Hagrid's so loyal. Hagrid's so great. Hagrid's not a pedo. He's never taken advantage <laughs> yeah. of me. All of these lovely things. Hagrid's nice. just a really nice bloke and people need to stop questioning his motives. And then he, yeah, and, and it just leads him to that. Well, Rob, tell us, what does he deduce suddenly? He thinks that basically Voldemort's given him the dragon's egg, got him lashed, and oh, he's got some information from him. Yeah. This is why uh, this Hagrid's a bit of a liability. Um, I mean, obviously, we all enjoy a flawed character, but um, he's given him the info about the dog. The dog will fall asleep yeah, if you play it music. And Hagrid, mm. he does it again, what he's been doing quite a bit throughout the book. He 
he doesn't just let that information slip to the hooded figure. He lets it slip to the kids and they sort of go into a sudden panic and they think, wow, well, the stone really is at risk now. Um, they go to try and find Professor Dumbledore first, but he has left the school. Thoughts, Rob? Yeah, convenient. He's, he's been uh, potentially uh, lured away with a false false uh, message to get him out of, out of town, so to yeah. speak, which, you know, if it is false, it's annoying he's fallen for, given that he's a magic. But Rob, the other side <laughs> of magic too. Yeah, true, true. I think as the series kind of develops, what you realise is you move away from that initial premise of, well, they must have no problems because they're magic. So or anything that we would see as a problem, they'd surely be able to fix. But you realise that their world's littered with exactly the same problems because ultimately humans just have the same challenges and battles, whatever happens. Well, he's gone, and instead they encounter uh, first McGonagall and then Snape, and they don't really get any change out of anyone. They're looking for some help, but they can't really find it. So they go back to the common room, and Harry sets out the stakes of what happens, you know, what he can see if Voldemort gets the stone. Um, you know, it's going to be a calamity. And he says he's going down there to get it first. Thoughts, Rob? Yeah, brave. Good effort. It's a bit all or nothing on, on his, um, I guess he's put together his theory and he's worked out what he needs to do, but it's, uh, yeah, quite, quite punchy. But as a fellow Gryffindor, like, what do you, like, did you quickly come to the same conclusion? Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's explored the other options. There's not really much he can do. So he's going to have to sort it out himself. Yeah, respect. And Ron and Hermione sort of say they're going with him. Yeah, it all becomes very, um, like I can imagine the film scene here. Like it becomes like a sort of, <laughs> yeah, very classic, like adventure, kids' adventure story where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm coming with you. Yeah, the, the, probably the most disturbing part of this book so far is when they put, <laughs> Neville in a full body bind. <laughs> okay, um, we were just getting to that. More giving than the blood drinking. <laughs> so, way worse. Horrific. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so just to refresh <laughs> listeners, just to refresh the listeners who aren't reading along. They wait for all the Gryffindor common room to clear. Uh, Lee Jordan's last to bed, of course he is, absolute lad. And, um, oh, they sneak up, they sneak up, and they, they get the... <laughs> <laughs> they get the invisibility cloak because they're going to need it. And, yeah, when they come down, Neville's there, and Neville tries to intervene, obviously having been caught up in the whole um, dragon incident, the detention. Neville doesn't want any more trouble for Gryffindor. And, yeah, Hermione sticks him in a full body bind. Do you remember the enchantment, Rob? Uh, no, I don't. It's Petrificus Totalis. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. It does. Just horrendous, horrendous. The rest of the chapter, I was just thinking about him lying there on the common room floor. Like with an itch or something. It's like kind of horrendous, yeah. but he can't, he can't move, speak. As someone, you know, yeah. we touched on it at one point, I think. Miller's has the same about like a fear of confined spaces. For me, being body bound on the floor like that, it's like locked in syndrome, horrendous. Oh. And it's just, I it's reckon just... I just try and go to sleep. 
<laughs> just be like a night what else can anyway. you do <laughs> but also as um as neville you'd be lying there just thinking like i don't want to say the word but you'd be thinking what a bunch of <laughs> yeah i was trying to help like, him out how angry you be. yeah i mean you questioned yeah. neville's um you know placing gryffindor a few episodes ago rob did, did this little moment you know make you think a bit more of him got a bit more a bit more spunk to him these days Seems to be standing up to people a bit more. Yes. They sneak through the corridors and there's a bit of interaction with Peeves, which I don't like, so we're just glossing over. Oh, yeah. No, that isn't It's cringy. It's cringy. Yeah. Don't like it. And they get themselves into the forbidden third floor corridor. They get into the room and Fluffy's fast asleep, Rob. Thoughts? Yeah, it seems like someone's, someone's gone, gone ahead of them. Um, but when they get in, is there music... There's no music playing, is there? No, there is. Yeah, There's an, they... enchanted, um, an enchanted harp. Mm. But hang on. So when do they stop the harp then? Maybe it's sleep. It is sleeping as it goes in. Yes, it does. Fluffy's asleep. It doesn't say that. They don't have to play music for him. They do. Hang play on. Music. Doesn't one of them play. plays a recorder, doesn't it? No, they do. They use that as Sorry, guys. King, you've gone into, gone into um. You've gone into I have film, there, haven't I? Sorry. Oh, King, you've been exposed. Yeah. Let's go back. You guys want to want to maybe evict him from the from the podcast because you um, sound furious. Uh, do you know what? We're not furious. the The point is, Rob, is this something you really need to understand? You must never, ever, ever watch the films until this whole thing is done. Sure, I can assure you, there's no danger of that. <laughs> there's no danger of me watching Dragon Art. That's for oh, sure. we'll get to that. Bloody hell! If we're getting, pers- if we're getting personal. Right. Guys, guys, so I'm going to redo this bit again, Mills. I have to cut all that out. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no way, mate. We're keeping that in. You're not covering yourself. Right. So they get to the, they, they get to the forbidden third floor corridor and they get into uh, the room with Fluffy and they play some music to send him to sleep. Thoughts on, uh, thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I recalled that he was already asleep. But no, they, they, they go in and they, um, yeah, someone plays the flute. To, to, to sleep him, put him to sleep. And it's a nice little link, that, isn't it? Because who bought him the flute? Hagrid. Um, oh. Is it? <laughs> yeah, Hagrid gives it to him for Christmas, doesn't he? Oh, sorry, I've forgotten that. They jump in through the trap door and they land on something sort of a bit soft and a bit squishy. And in no time at all, it starts attacking them. Were you terrified? No, oh, I, I thought it was going to be. I thought that was going to be because obviously when they landed on something that was soft and squishy, like it was going to be something. I thought it was going to be something horrific, like sort of, yeah, um, I don't know, guts or something uh, in it. Because um, when it was described as that, it was going to be horrible. But then, yeah, it's, it's some kind of um, ivy or something, isn't it? Like it's devil snare twines. Yeah. yeah, it's devil snare. It starts attacking them and. I mean, do you remember how how they get out of it? Um, they s- set it on fire. Yeah, fire. So, yeah. Hermione remembers the light. I love this. I love this. Yeah, interaction. Her, her, Hermione remembers from herbology. <laughs> yeah, that it can't stand heat and light, so she suggests. Harry suggests lighting a fire. Yes, and she says yes, of course, but there's no wood. And Ron has a right go at her. 
I like that. I like that bit. I, and also, I think it's fair because I think if you're in that much of a panic, oh, yeah. you would default to just, oh, I don't have any wood, yeah. you know? Phil, you also mentioned in a couple of deep, maybe even last deep dive, that Harry and Hermione might tend towards sort of psychologically defaulting almost to their exactly, magic, yeah. whereas Ron never forgets that magic is an option. I think I cut that, though. Mm-hmm. Did you cut that? I think so, yeah. <laughs> what? Told you. That's one of the best things I said. She's absolutely ruthless in the edit. Jesus Millers. I bet you don't cut any of your good stuff. They get into the next sort of chamber and there are a little bunch of flying keys and they realise they have to collect one to unlock the door on the other side. Alohomora doesn't work. <gasps> Unbelievable. They get some broomsticks, they hop on them, they work together, you know, a bit of flying teamwork. They get the key and they unlock it. How did you find that little challenge there, Rob? So my, my issue with this chapter in general is, uh, like, I quite enjoyed the previous one and the bit of forest time. With this one, it was just like, uh, I was just a bit kind of bored by it because it was, it was just like, there's a challenge, they face a challenge, they figure out the answer within about five seconds, one of them does it, next room. That's the kind of vibe for the rest of the chapter onwards. Um, and, you know, I was glad that it wasn't drawn out any longer, but it just all seemed a bit, like, easy. Mm, okay, yeah, a bit easy. I'd, I'd give him that. It does seem yeah. a bit easy. It does seem a bit easy. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll give him that. And obviously there's more we, we can discuss about that. However... I can't. I don't think you could say it's a boring chapter. It's it's not. It's not like a, yeah. It's not a boring chapter. I just felt like it was a bit like that sort of. It was a bit repetitive. Like when when they were going through and there was another room and it was like, I was like, oh God, yeah, how many rooms are they going to be? How long can this drag on for? Like it just what you just wanted to kind of. You know, it's dramatic and adventurous, but and I'm sure kids are loving it. But I was just a bit like, come on, let's get let's get to the end. It's the core okay. of this chamber. Well, in the spirit of getting to the end, <laughs> through to the next room, <laughs> and there's a giant chessboard. Now, I don't think we've really covered it on the pod, but it had been trailed that Ron's really good at chess. as yeah. pretty much the only thing he can beat Hermione at. And, yeah, they have to kind of swap themselves out for chess pieces and defeat uh, Professor McGonagall's chessboard. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really want to ask you your thoughts again because I imagine you're probably going to tell me very, very much the same. Seemed a bit easy. Next, or any- a couple of yeah, there's a couple of like fantasy or sort of adventure movie tropes in one here. Yeah, there is um, each like character having a sort of special ability or something that will like solve a challenge for the team. Yeah, and then there is. Um, bit of martyrdom someone who's previously maybe not been that brave suddenly uh, or, or has been normally been like a sort of uh, bad character in the past suddenly stepping up and taking one for the team yeah uh, and there's the kind of the, both of those things in one here yeah because Ron has to kind of sacrifice himself doesn't he I've got no idea how chess works Chess is really hard. Yeah, I don't understand it even in the slightest, but I did love the Queen's Gambit. Sorry, why is no one... You you played chess before, though, guys. No. Most people don't know how to play chess. I know the the rules of 
what can move where. But, I don't know that. But strategy and how to actually win is, is you know, I think beyond most normal people's comprehension. So anyway, they beat the chessboard. Ron's now knocked out because he's been clubbed upside the head by the other queen. And um, yeah, on they go. And it's just Harry and Hermione now. But when they get to the next room, if I'm not mistaken, there is a troll out cold that's obviously been felled. Thoughts, Rob? Uh, yeah. So is this, is this is basically where there's basically been a, a challenge or like a sort of, you know, level of the escape room that someone else has already done. And so, yeah, they don't have to do it. They can just... But it's been clear that they've, they've kind of been following someone anyway because... Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, they knew when they got to the trapdoor there was someone potentially already on en route down there. Oh, the troll's gone. They, they get through the troll and then they get into the next room and there's a sort of potions set on the table, all different bottles and a riddle. My personal favourite challenge when I was... Love this. 100%. Loved it. Fucking classic Ravenclaws, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, it was a good, it was a good little riddle. It kind of, it, the, I think the whole thing took me back to being in an escape room, um, and just those those kind of things just annoying me a little bit, basically. <laughs> when someone reads out the riddle and it's like, oh, get on with it, just drink one. <laughs> well, funny, oh, it's God. we've all done a Harry Potter escape room, and. Um, and it was like one of the best days I of my life. I think as a bonus episode, we need to do an escape, the escape room, the four of us. And when we get in there, the three of us, we just sit back and just let Rob <laughs> have at <laughs> You can bring one friend. You can bring one friend, Rob, who's not done it. And we'll, we'll just sit Been back. there a long time. No. Anyway, Hermione solves the riddle. She's absolutely certain. Um, but I think the stipulation is that only one... By drinking one, you can only go back, and one you can only go forward. Am I right? Am yeah. I wrong there? Yeah. One yeah. takes you forward, one takes you back. Well, see, there's only, it's, it's to make sure only one person can go forward. Yes. So Harry decides he's going to drink the one to go forward. Hermione's going to let him go. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's the sort of leader of the, the pack, so I guess it, it kind of makes sense. And he's, he's not happy any of it. It was his idea. So Hermione goes through the purple fire. Harry goes through the black flames into the next room. And then we get the... That last... reminded me of when you get... Um, have you ever had general anaesthetic? Yeah. And it feels kind of like cold fire. I don't remember that. Moving on. I've had a final. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh. get to the other space. And he's in the last oh. chamber and the very closing lines of the chapter, Rob... There was already someone there. Not much of a surprise, I suppose. But it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. Now, Rob, we (laughs) have to know. I don't know the layout of the book that you're reading. I don't know whether the next chapter starts on, like, the very, like, next page so it's visible or if you just have to turn the page to read it. But by mistake or by pure curiosity, did you read the first line of the next chapter or not? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, my God, what's wrong really? with you? Well done. Well done, mate. I, I mean, that's the rules, isn't it? You know, I'm reading what I'm told. But do you not have, like, a burning desire to know? 
like I, I thought, I, you know, I thought about it. I had a few, few suggestions who it could be. But okay. I've just realised when you, I've just realised when you read it out there. Yeah. I thought one of the one of the, I thought one of the people he said it wasn't was Snape and Quirrell. No, he said. And so I thought it was Voldemort. He said it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. Hmm. So, before we move on to that, what's your review of these two chapters? You obviously gave us your hot takes. Now we've sort of digested them a bit more. Give us your kind of summing up of the Forbidden Forest and the uh, through the trap door. Just you know, as a pair, how you felt reading them, and you know. Yeah, Forbidden Forest was good. I enjoyed that. I liked the forest element, the sort of mystical animals in the forest. That was good. Uh, a lot, a lot goes on in terms of, I guess, teeing up the plot. But then, yeah, chapter fifteen, the trapdoor wasn't as wasn't as taken with that because I don't know. It's feel, if, you don't like escape rooms. Don't escape rooms. It felt kind of like yeah. they all went through it really quickly, and it's all kind of yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, that, you know, I'm, I'm ready for some answers. Yeah, I mean, that maps onto completely what I'd expect. Like, The Forbidden Forest is a darker chapter. It's got a bit more atmosphere. It's got the camp horses that you liked um, mm. and, you know, are interesting, but that a kid may find boring. Um, and then, obviously, to kind of pick up the pace for the, you know, the, the intended audience of the book, we get kind of like this rattle-through adventure uh, sort of chapter and through the trap door. So I think that kind of tracks with what we, I might have expected from you. The, all that's left really to do then, Rob, is your predictions for next week. Or, or no, 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 wait, should we, and any other business that you want to, you know, pick up on these chapters, Rob, anything small that we didn't mention or, you know, any sort of particular note you wanted to raise? Just, just that I spent the next two or three days thinking about Neville in the full body bind. Oh, oh no. Oh no. That's <laughs> dark. Oh dear. Poor Neville. Maybe a, maybe a single tear just dri 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 dripping from his eye. <laughs> oh, probably. I, I would think more likely uh, he's pissed himself if he can't. Oh, God. <laughs> he didn't think about that, did he? I mean, he wasn't going to the toilet when they intervene it's just the way they skip over it like oh you know oh sorry mate we're off it's gonna leave you here <laughs> it's not like they've you know just locked the door and he's in the room all right rob so last thing left to do there's one more chapter left um is there i think yeah one more yeah, chapter one. chapter 17 the man with two faces so any predictions for the next chapter rob what do you think's happening obviously the the biggest question is you know, who's down there with Harry and, and what do you think is going to happen next? Um, man with two faces, I reckon, is going to be Voldemort. I reckon he's going to have a uh, a normal face and a um, sort of blood-covered unicorn munching face. <laughs> um, and Not like the mask. Yeah, exactly, like the mask. Face. And uh, was well, someone from Batman with two faces, isn't it? And... Two faces. Two faces, yeah. <laughs> Does what he says on the tin. He's got one face that's yeah. just um, half and half, actually, because he got burned. Anyway, it's not a Batman podcast. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> um, who is it? Who is it? Um, 
Could could be anyone. Could be um, could be Nicolas Flamel. Could be Dumbledore. Those are the key uh, suspects. Okay. All right. Well, we will see what happens next week. Any other business that people want to mention to Rob or? I want to know, like Rob, how excited are you? Like, because you must be hooked by now. If I were you, mate, I'd be, I'd be picking up the book as soon as we hang I mean, up and just, and just reading the first line. A hundred percent. Like enough about Neville weeing himself. Like, what's going on, man? Yeah, no, I'm, you know, keen to, keen to find out. Just one more chapter left, and you've done. I'm not going to say one seventh of the series because it's. <laughs> about under a <laughs> one more chapter left and that's a big milestone bye. bye he's gone he is gone i'm sure he's reading that first line of the last chapter right now immediate take on rob's feedback bear millers uh he didn't guess it no it doesn't look like it no. what the hell like camp horses like it makes so much more sense for him to be talking about unicorns i i got that he was talking about centaurs straight away but i didn't <laughs> I didn't know why. Phil, <laughs> Phil, your kind of immediate take on his feedback on those chapters? Yeah, like definitely my favourite thing that he said was the camp horses. And I, I found that so interesting. Like I said, I didn't get that he was talking about the centaurs until you kind of spelt it out. That is, yeah, 100%. I, was, I would not have used the word camp to describe centaurs in my head it'd be completely different like i said completely different well um, that- I, i'm thinking of mythical centaurs as well like they're quite a well-known mythical creature Definitely. i've never seen them depicted as anything other than like like fierce i'd need to read back i'd need to read back yeah. lines <laughs> and sort of try to get a sense of how that characterization came through. Obviously, we get a lot of our characterization of the centaurs because they're so, um, I mean, are they even done in the movie? I mean, they are a bit, aren't they? But it's it's tragic. It's passing. Yeah. So I think we get pretty much all of our characterization of these centaurs from Stephen Fry, right? Who mm-hmm. does them brilliantly and I think performs their individual characters really well because Ronan is different from Bane, is different from forensic yeah so bane in the in the audiobook sounds like a really kind of tough macho but i think that you kind get that from the books any, anyway i'm not sure well obviously not like obviously not i think that you are probably just kind of blurring your memory of reading it and your memory of listening to it like rob's mm-hmm. a really he knows how to read and he seemed to get the impression that they were camp which that must mean that there's not that there's nothing in there no, that, that says no that doesn't mean that 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 they are like that he like many other people read read it and didn't get that probably feeling. yeah probably but anyway i don't think we should take rob's reading of it as possible <laughs> no i'm just i'm i'm just saying that you know i suppose they are a bit aloof <laughs> They're definitely aloof. Uh, again, I, I don't think I associate being aloof with camp. No, me neither. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what he thinks camp is. But it's not what I think it is. Different definition to, of camp to us. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> anyway, going back to the main takeaway, <laughs> he seems quite intrigued. He, he seems to think Dumbledore or Flamel might be waiting for Harry in the last chapter. Yeah, it's interesting. Weird thing where he said like he said about Quills, and then I thought, oh, he's got it. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah, he said like, oh, he misread what? it. So in some way, in his head, he's thinking about. Quirrell. He's thinking Quirrell. Well, it worries me that he like he did glance over to the other page and see the name Quirrell, and he's just trying to cross tracks and be like, oh, 
maybe I was yeah, confused. Yeah, maybe. So we're just going to move straight on, basically, to our kind of uh, notes and thoughts and talk a bit more in depth about some of the content in these chapters, because I think there are some fascinating questions to go into. Who would like to go first? Let's kind of start with the Forbidden Forest first. Yeah, so... You know, the thing that is drinking the blood? Yeah. What is that? Well, because Quirrell's not attached to it in that moment, is he? Matt was saying, like, oh, it's Quirrell. And I was like, it's not Quirrell. No. It's made clear that it's not human. It's not footsteps. Yeah. What does it... What does it say, King? Like, what is the exact words? Like, a bush on the edge of the clearing quivered. Then, out of the shadows, a hooded figure came crawling across the ground like some stalking beast. Harry Malfoy and Fang stood transfixed. The cloaked figure reached the unicorn. It lowered its head over the wound in the animal's side and began to drink its blood. Here's here's my theory. Did you ever see The Exorcist? No. Yeah. So there's this horrific scene in The Exorcist where she kind of crabs. Yeah, it's, oh, horrible. it's so creepy. I think other horror films as well where the body kind of crawls but in an inverted way, like in a mm. crab yoga position rather than in a typical kind of baby on all fours. Now, for me, if you're, if you're a Voldemort and your only existence is on the back of someone's head and you need to drink from something that's on the ground... That looks to me to be the only way of doing it. So I think it is Quirrell's body, but I think Voldemort is controlling it and contorting it. But you don't need you don't need to be doing that as you're walking. You only need to be in that position when you're drinking. I've just never So you're thought... so you think that Quirrell should walk up to it calmly, turn around and then bend over his spine backwards. I've just never or just thought... Or just lie down, <laughs> just lie down and rest. <laughs> okay, so you guys tell me what you think. I don't really know, because obviously he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a proper body. We know that, but... I think yours makes sense the most, King. If you divorce me just, like, off the... Off, off the is this saying off the bat or off the back? It doesn't matter. <laughs> what would you have said straight off the bat? I would have said he's... Because he can't exist in and of himself, can he? So I would have said he's almost attached himself to an animal to do it. And he'd, and that animal would have been the animal that would have taken down the unicorn. But I, I don't agree with that. I think, uh, I think, I don't think he can just flip from being to being. I think that you're, what you said makes the most sense. I also think it's a terrifying image, but I think it's the best image for what this is. Yeah. The only thing that tells me that it isn't like a sort of woodland animal is an animal wouldn't be wearing a hood. But yeah. So I think that Quirrell is is stalking around the forest, the forest wearing a hood. And I think so maybe in these moments where like, you know, Voldemort's getting stronger mm. and it's not, the case where he's allowing Quirrell to really be like most of the time he's allowing Quirrell to be 50% Quirrell and almost in these moments it's just like he just takes him over Yeah, because I do think and it's so carnal says in the next chapter um that sort of Voldemort's been getting more and more Mm. um so I guess it's a little bit kind of almost a parallel to what happens with Ginny when yeah. she starts to kind of lose control over her body a little bit. Um, 
Millers, you mentioned very briefly there the snake. Do you want to just give us some of the thoughts that you had and that we discussed a little bit on the potential presence of Nagini in the Forbidden Forest? Well, I mean, I don't, I didn't think it was Nagini because it says um, like a, like some stalking beast, which doesn't sound like a snake, but it also no. mentions a slithering sound. Harry had taken one step towards it when a slithering sound made him freeze where he stood. And then straight after that is when the creature comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Nagini would be the best thing to murder a unicorn for sure. Yeah. And earlier when they hear something and Harry says, oh, is that a, a centaur? And Hagrid's like, does that sound like who's like? Yeah. Um, and it sounds like, I think they said like something like slithering. That's uh, right. Here it is. Hagrid seized Harry and Hermione and hoisted them off the path behind a towering oak. He pulled out an arrow and fitted it in his crossbow, raising it ready to fire. The three of them listened. Something was slithering over dead leaves nearby. It sounded like a cloak trailing along the ground. Hagrid was squinting up the dark path, but after a few seconds, the sound faded away. I knew it, he murmured. There's summit in here that shouldn't be. A werewolf, Harry suggested. It wasn't a werewolf and it weren't no unicorn neither. But we spoke about this then, about when Voldemort met Nagini and also when Nagini was made into a horcrux. And did we agree that it was... After this, my understanding is that Voldemort meets Nagini in Albania during his yes, exile. that's true. So that is before this. He befriends Nagini in the forests of Albania, and Nagini mm-hmm. helps him by killing things for him and helping him to sustain the little bit of life. I think he says he drinks her milk, doesn't he? Have I just completely made that? Yeah, no, he does. He drinks. He drinks her milk when he is uh, something like a baby. Yes, that's yeah. right. He, that's because he says to Pettigrew, who's going to milk Nagini? So that's what he's living on at that point. Yes. Do we know for sure that he meets it in Albania? Or are we getting that <laughs> off? Because he makes a comment, doesn't he, where he says, um, I... Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a particular affinity with snakes. So I've just looked it up and there seems to be no absolutely canon definitive conclusion of when Nagini joined Lord Voldemort. So I've obviously just kind of assumed in my mind at some point that he meets the snake in Albania. And I think that is a fair assumption. I think it's a fair assumption. Yeah, but also there's the first canon references to to Nagini are about the fact that by kind of the um, Goblet of Fire, mm-hmm. she she was definitely around, but there's no real suggestion that she found earlier than that. I think there are two yeah. options. One, he meets Nagini in Albania, and Albania, and sorry, and Nagini is there in the Forbidden Forest because I think that is just totally who's killing the unicorn, right? Hagrid makes a point. Yeah. Hard is kill a unicorn. There's no way Quirrell's doing that. No. Um, or, yes, yeah, so either he meets Nagini in Albania or in the Forbidden Forest. He may find Nagini in the Forbidden Forest. I guess it's only the uh, the Fantastic Beast series that will maybe shine more light on like that together, yeah. Nagini comes into play. If she ends those films in Albania uh, or yeah. Ends those films slithering off into the woods. 
Mm. Hogwarts, then we've got our answer. But it seems to make total sense. The slithering noises in the forest. Nagini is there with Voldemort and Nagini is killing the unicorn. And that is 100% something I never thought of or considered in yeah. reading it. Yeah. I... Now. I mean, I'm still not convinced by that, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm like not 100% sure about what that yeah. is. Like, obviously it's Voldemort, but like in what form, I just, mm. I'm not, I'm just not convinced. I'm going with Nagini is the slithering and Nagini is what's killing the unicorn and it's Quirrell's possessed body that actually comes out of the hedge and drinks it. Because like whatever it is goes right by them on the path, slithering along. But yeah, I mean, that kind of gives me chills to think that... Neg- I know, it's really good. He's in the Forbidden Forest with Voldemort hunting unicorns. Another thing about this chapter that Millers and I discussed a little bit was it gets a lot of stick in a lot of memes, a lot of Dumbledore memes. The Forbidden Forest, but then we're going to send like a few first years in there on a detention. Yeah, and in, in the context of other detentions, when we think about book two, where his detentions are replying to Lockhart's fan mail or cleaning some trophies in the trophy room or, you know, it's not until book five where you've got detentions are literally slicing into your own skin where it comes even anywhere close to that. So I think it's very fair to say that um, this detention is over the top. (laughs) But... Of course, it's been orchestrated. It's vital to the plot. And I mean, the thing that worries me the most when I read this are the times when they're not with Hagrid. I think Malfoy's nuts that he's clearly so worried about it, but he's quite happy to go off with a dog rather than with Hagrid. Like, I'd feel safe if I was with Hagrid. I wouldn't with Fang. Oh, yeah, nothing will hurt you if you're with, like, Fang. Mm. Not going to take the risk. Well, the general general gist of the meme seems to be, Dumbledore says you can't go in the Forbidden Forest and then he sort of rubber stamps three first years being sent in there and that's kind of an inconsistency. I just see that as the Forbidden Forest is called the Forbidden Forest to stop students from going into the forest, not because it's an incredibly dangerous forest necessarily, um, it's just because of the impracticality of having students knocking about the forest and what they'd get up to in there and just how much of a nightmare that would be. So I feel like the teachers perpetuate a kind of inflated sense of danger with the forest to stop the students from going in there. It would be dangerous if they were there on their own because not only the creatures, but they would obviously get lost. Yes, and that's what Hagrid says quite plainly. There's nothing in here that can hurt you when you're with me or Fang. And I think that's broadly true. And stick to the path. Yeah, yeah. stick to the path. Miller's, Miller's countered Aragog. And I said, but if you're <laughs> Hagrid or Fang... Well, Hagrid. Well, I'm going, I'm, yeah. I'm going the spider would recognise the dog. They go in with Fang and the spider tries to eat them. Is that right? Yeah. They go in with Fang in book two. Yeah. Oh, they take Fang as well. Oh, God. Fang is useless. That's blown out. Yeah, and Hagrid believes that Aragog wouldn't hurt any of them, but he's wrong. Um, Aragog definitely is, um, you know, not something that a child but would want to come into contact with or, or like a fully grown a fully grown witch or wizard. But um, the centaurs are incredibly dangerous. 
even though later in the book one of them kind of boils over and kind of threatens to to break that rule they they tend to have a kind of honor code where they wouldn't hurt a student anyway so what i'm trying to do here is i'm trying to push back on the meme what i'm saying is i don't think the forest is that dangerous all forests are dangerous it's just like normally they're full of pedos <laughs> yeah i don't think the forest is actually that dangerous i think it's just kind of hyped up because that is obviously assuming that the dark lord and his snake aren't in there but, i mean there are lots of things in the school setting where you're allowed to do them supervised and you're not yeah. them unsupervised. I mean, that's a forest. forest. Mean, I mean, a little word for the centaurs as well. Um, Ferenzi kind of put Harry, puts Harry on to the idea that it's Voldemort. Um, is it him that comes back to be a teacher? Yeah. Yeah. So Bane says, does Bane not say to him something like, have you not seen what's written in the stars? And I feel like it's suggested at this point that what is written in the stars, what is to come to pass, is that Harry will lose the war and that Voldemort will win. Like, the, I, I don't know, it, it's not explicit. And they say, oh, it's been read wrong before and it could be that they're misreading these two powers and getting them mixed up. But I feel like it is suggested that Harry is going to lose this war. Yeah, you're yeah. right, because yeah. Voldemort's pretty much about, or whatever that thing is that drinks the yeah. pretty much about to, you know, get Harry yeah. when, when Frenzy turns up and intervenes. And, yeah, that would obviously annoy Bane, because if he's ready, yeah. um, you know, a great war is coming. And But maybe he's then made the assumption that, like, because Harry's a child, he won't be able to yeah. stand up. Yeah. I, I agree. I think... That that's obviously what what he believes that he's seen, mm. and, but I do I agree that what the central see is obviously very vague, and they have to just interpret it in whatever way they will. So that's the Forbidden Forest um, through the trap door. Rob wasn't so keen on it. Let's talk about this. He said it was too easy. Why is it so easy, guys? Yeah, but, well, it's it's easy because basically it's been built for the three of them, hasn't it? Yep, and I've never realised that so clearly. I mean, either that's true and we're right, no, and it's written it's as, and it was that was her genuine writing intention, or we just, you know, are constructing that. It doesn't matter to me. It's definitely true. I'm just calling death of the author on this one, 100%. Whatever her intention was, completely irrelevant. As far as I'm concerned, that was an obstacle course designed to be easy enough for children. Well, not children, like not, anyone, not anyone, but... Yeah, yeah. So basically, we've got three kids here with, particularly at this stage, Harry and Hermione, some very strong abilities on certain things. I don't think that Dumbledore told the teachers to design it for Harry, Ron and Hermione. I think he no. told them, look, this the, the security needs to be pretty high on this. Ultimately, I'm pretty much always going to be around if there's any issue and I need to get down there. It needs to be kind of quick and easy enough for me. Also, mm. came to one of you guys... Yeah, it needs to be doable. Down there, it has to be kind of doable for you as well. So let's not make it too hard. Yeah. While we're trying to protect the stone, we may also need to get it back at some point. I think yeah. really um, 
yeah, this is really interesting because I think first time you read it as a child, especially if you, well, if you read it for the first time as a child. Or Rob. Um, no, if you yeah as a child, you mm. think, you just don't question it. You're like, oh, brilliant. Oh, this is different. Oh, yeah. they're brilliant. Oh, they've done it. Oh, like, well done, Hermione, whatever. Um, and then as looking back, you know, as an adult or a slightly older person, you do think, oh, that was like, that was pretty easy. Like that's pretty ridiculous that, mm. you know, three kids, however bright would be able to do that if it's such a big deal. And then when you really reread it and really think about it, it becomes clear that that was the plan all along. Yeah. Dumbledore yeah. knew that at least Harry, but probably Harry and his friends were going down there. He was quite happy enough for the security around the Philosopher's Stone to be, Reachable, yeah. but I don't think that he kind of clued the other teachers in. I don't think he said to McGonagall, "No, Weasley's good at chess." You know, he could have suggested chess, but he wouldn't. He might have planted the seed, yeah, being like, oh, you know, something like a chess game. He's good with like working people. Yeah, obviously, you know, the the big big dead giveaway is the invisibility cloak left on the bed just in case. You know, basically, Dumbledore is inviting. <laughs> Yeah, inviting Harry through the trap. Third floor on the left, nudge and edge. My personal one hundred percent belief now is that Dumbledore absolutely wanted Harry down the trap door with his mate. Yeah, but it's only on this reading of the book that I've fully committed to those. Like, yes, yeah, so it solidifies it, doesn't it? He's operated on the assumption that Dumbledore didn't really know what was going on in book one, and uh, he absolutely did. Yeah. Yeah, he always knows, like like how you said. He absolutely knew. I'm not that shocked that Rob didn't enjoy it because, yeah, if you don't read it with that uh, kind of X-ray goggles on, like we're reading it. With. I think reading it as an adult without that hindsight. Yeah, yeah, but I do think Rob's into it. I think he's more into it than he likes to let on. I think he's quite keen to find out who's there. Definitely, we'll be a bit surprised. You reckon he'll be like, oh. Guys, yeah. I'm already excited about Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I can't fucking wait. The flying car. The flying car, the vomping willow, oh. Aragog. Dobby. Oh, my. I think he'll love Dobby. I hate Dobby so much. <laughs> I hate Dobby so much. Oh, yeah. One last word Rob and Neville. Yeah. That's the thing that moved him the most from these. Two chapters. Rob is weird. Well, I think it's teed up lovely because earlier in, in the series, he's yeah, he's knocking Neville. He's sort of saying he's a bit useless and is there any option to sort of <laughs> kick him out of the school and, you know, he's the fall guy. And I think at one point he actually said, I assume, you know, that's, that's just sort of what he's there for. I love that he's gone from, oh, this is JK's lazy writing. He's the fall guy. Oh, can we just kick this guy out of the school? Now he's got a bit of sympathy for him he feels really bad for him and in the next chapter sort of conclusion of the book it's going to yeah. annoy him what happens with the points but I think he's going to like that Neville is part of that and that he hasn't just set up as like a joke you know he's got a uh, he's got significance beyond that which obviously yeah I love that that's beautiful that ending and 
I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm buzzing. I'm really, excited. Well, I'm really excited to see what he says. Well, just let us know if you've got any predictions, any questions for Rob um, as he reads the last chapter. Any comments on some of our theories about the uh, creepy crawly Voldemort, the Nagini in the forest, the Dumbledore's design of the escape room? Dumbledore's <laughs> escape room. <laughs> and obviously leave us a review wherever you, wherever that would be done tweet us thought we'd give up on that so thank you very much for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin and yeah do send us your feedback questions thoughts and goodbye Millis goodbye goodbye Phil relax you goodbye from me goodbye <laughs>